Silence is calling. The first week we talked about silence is calling us from our place. Last week we talked about silence is calling us from our path. Today we talk about silence is calling us to serve others. As we continue uh, during the midst of Lent, uh, we're headed towards March 13th, where um, we will uh, continue our Taze music and work, uh, work of silence and spending time in the presence of God. Uh, and so I look forward to the fruit that'll come. I want to welcome you to Chapelwood United Methodist Church. My name is Peter Camerano. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, we're glad that you're here, and I believe the band has another song for us. Before you get seated, uh, I want to remind you, be sure to register your attendance with us this morning. You can find them on the ends of the rows of the pews. Uh, it's a chance to let us know that you are here today. I know it sounds really kind of trivial, but um, when I take the number that the ushers count and the number of people who have signed in, they're really different. So help me reconcile those numbers. But for now, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Okay, so I have a question for you. First, I'm going to read some scripture to you. Uh, it comes from Matthew chapter 25. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? Truly I tell you, just as you did to the one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Have you ever had someone say to you, wait just a minute? You never heard that? Like, hold on just a minute. Hold on, hold on, wait just a minute. Do you think waiting for a minute is kind of tough sometimes? We just waited for three minutes in silence, and y'all did an excellent job. So um, I want to give you a task. We're going to set a timer here on my phone, and for one minute, I want for you to think about what is your favorite food? Like all your favorite foods. I want you to think about all of them and then hold them in your memory real tight so you can tell them to me at the end. You ready? Okay, we're going to set the timer. We got one minute and go. Think of all your favorite foods and hold them tight. We're going to have lots of hungry people in the congregation when we're done. El Toro. La Casona. We got about thirty seconds left. You got some good ones. Most time. Three, two, one. All right. Did you think of a lot of good things to eat? Tell me, tell me what are some of your favorite things to eat? Pasta, squash, spinach, carrots. We have a healthy eater over here. 
All right. So uh, for those of you who weren't in the first service, the only thing they had to say was pizza. <laughs> and I think that was actually Pastor Peter saying that. So yes, ma'am. Oranges, apples, bananas, and grapes. All right. We know that y'all have healthy eating in your home. What you got, Lance? Pizza, nachos, peaches, apples, anything else? Mac and cheese, oh yeah. What's your favorite food, Tristan? Grapes, you like grapes? Bananas. Cocoa crisps? Oh, Cocoa Puffs, yum. All right. So my favorite food would be, if I had my most favorite meal, it would be an Italian entree. So the main dish would be Italian. The salad would be Greek. And the bread would be French. That's like the perfect meal for me. That's a, a wonderful combination right there. Um, okay. So have you ever been hungry? How many, let's see in the congregation, how many people are hungry right now? <laughs> okay, so, and I don't mean just like a little bit of hungry, like you haven't eaten in an hour, but like really, really hungry. Have you ever been really, really hungry? Your tummy just, oh, it just wants to eat itself. So, sometimes we forget that not everyone in the world has plenty of food to eat. You know, in that minute that we were waiting and we were thinking on all the things that we would like to eat, 12 children could have lost their lives because they didn't have enough food to eat. And that's really sad, but it's a, it's a big reality in our world. And that's why we support Zoe Ministries, which helps children to be able to get food and provide for themselves. Because we think full tummies is important, right? If someone's hungry, we want to help them. Okay, I think it's important too. You know, one day Jesus was speaking to a group of people and he said to them, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Have any of you ever handed Jesus some bread and a Coca-Cola? Any of you? Have you ever handed Jesus something to eat? Think? Well, you have. If you've ever given food to someone who was hungry... If you've ever helped someone who is in need, you were helping Jesus, and that is pretty special. And I hope you continue to help Jesus. We have so much to be thankful for, and in our thankfulness, we have to ask the question, are we willing to share it with those who are in need? So we're going to say a special prayer today, and we're going to accept the challenge to help those who are in need. Will you pray with me? Praying eyes and praying hands. Praying eyes, praying hands. Okay. Heavenly Father, you have given us so much. May we be willing to share it with those in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all did an awesome job. Go see Pastor Peter. He has a treat for you, but please ask whoever brought you before you enjoy that treat. Today's scripture is Matthew 25, 31 through 43. Now when the human one comes in his majesty and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. 
all the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who received good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply, will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it for me. Then he will say to those on the left, get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. I was naked and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. The word of God for the people of God. I've been pretty fascinated lately with this uh, experience. Um, this experience where uh, if you get a new car, you all of a sudden see that new car everywhere. Everyone has decided to get what you got. Um, I remember when uh, Amy was pregnant with Grace, we would walk around and feel like you would see pregnant ladies everywhere. I mean, it was just, it was like, what is it like a, a mad breakout of pregnancy? I've been interested in this phenomenon that something happens to you and all of a sudden you see it everywhere. The reality is, is that not everybody bought the same car that I did. And the reality is, is that the birth rate didn't spike the same nine months that we were carrying grace. But it doesn't take away from the fact that when something happens to you, you see it everywhere. Now, psychologists say that this is a, a syndrome or an experience, a dynamic called priming, that you get kind of primed for the experience and you see it everywhere. Or it, it could be described as attuned. You are attuned to seeing what you've already seen in yourself. Personally, I really like the term from the internet called the blue car syndrome. You know, if you get a blue car, everybody's, you're not going to laugh at that one. All right. <laughs> So one of the questions, having been called by silence out of your place, from your path, now we say that silence calls us to serve others. Now when we sit still and we think, it forces us to stop doing the task list and start connecting with God. But the question could be made, do we see those around us who have needs? 
I mean, let's be honest, we are quite the Martha kind of people. We have schedules and tasks, things to do, synchronized calendars. I mean, we are the most tuned for productivity uh, that the world has ever seen. But do you see the people who have needs? Or do you just walk by? I remember uh, getting called at three in the morning in my first appointment at Bel Air United Methodist Church as an associate pastor. It was the mayor of Bel Air. He asked me if I could make it to the church right now that there'd been a, a horrible storm, lots of flooding, and we needed to open up the church as a Red Cross shelter. I said, sure, I can get to the church. I ran out the front door, kind of in my appropriate pajamas, and as I opened the door, there was still, there was water from my front step all the way across the street to the other house. The phone then rang again. It was the mayor. You can't get to the church, can you? No. How'd you know that? He says, Tropical Storm Allison has dropped more water than Bel Air can handle. I'm sending a high water vehicle to pick you up so that you can open the church and it can become a Red Cross shelter. Little did I know that high water vehicle actually meant a garbage truck. <laughs> so as I changed clothes, Amy woke up, said, what are you doing? It's three in the morning. And I said, the mayor called and he's sending a, a garbage truck. I said, do you want to stay here or do you want to come with me? And she's like, Shaw, I'm coming with you. Four across, mayor, <laughs> me, or no, three across, mayor, me, and uh, Amy. We went to the church. Now, we'd always been told by the Red Cross that we would never get opened as a shelter because we were so close to the coast that if there was a hurricane, they'd send people inland and they didn't want to shelter people so close to the coast. So the procedures were a little rusty, but we got the place open. Now, Tropical Storm Allison really kind of plucked a chord with the city of Houston. In fact, um, on the crawl, on the 24-hour news coverage, was uh, Bel Air United Methodist Church, Red Cross Shelter. Well, now, people have great loving and caring hearts. They began showing up with stuff. Now, I'd always heard that the Red Cross would prefer that you give um, cash as opposed to in-kind donations. I never knew why. I thought they were just really kind of being a little bit ornery. Until the education wing of Bel Air Methodist was filled with everything you could ever imagine that somebody who had a caring heart wanted to go to people who'd been flooded out. We had flats of water. We had canned goods. We had, hey, pastor, this is the... Um, uh, this is the crib bed that my daughter used 10 years ago. You think somebody could use it? Well, I was accepting everything, and we put it all inside the education wing of the church until the volunteers told me we didn't have any room left inside the church. And so I started standing out in the parking lot before people turned into the church and said, okay, are you dropping off stuff or are you giving money? <laughs> two lines. And if you're dropping off stuff, could you say for an hour? Because we got so much stuff we don't know what to do with. Now I am attuned, primed, if you will, to say, <laughs> go to the website and give money. While I was out in the parking lot splitting the traffic between people who were uh, dropping off stuff and giving money, my chair for Staff Parish came out. And he was a nice guy. Um, he loved the fact that I'd been to Duke University. Uh, he said, well, 
I guess when you were studying in the hallowed halls of Duke University, you never thought that you'd be standing in the blazing sun directing traffic after a tropical storm. And I said, actually, I dreamed, I dreamed at some point that churches would get out of administrative ministry and get back to hands-on ministry. So I'm good. This is a good day in ministry. What's a good day in ministry for you? What are the moments where you feel called out of your place, called away from your path, and called to serve others? Our scripture passage uh, is an interesting one. Uh, It it is one of those apocalyptic judgmental passages uh, where um, the king of all creation, which we like to describe as Jesus, calls together at the end of the world all the, the nations, and he divides them into sheep and into goats, And he says to the sheep, enter into your reward because uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was um, thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was sick, naked, homeless, you took care of me. And the sheep said, what? And, And Jesus said, no, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Now, the goats were in the same sort of circumstance. Um, Jesus says to them, um, you didn't. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me something to drink. When I was uh, sick, naked, and homeless, you did nothing for me. And the goat said, what? And he says, when you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. So enter into your reward, uh, enduring fire for uh, the devil and his angels. What I find really interesting here is, one, the king of all creation, would you be surprised that he had been hungry or thirsty? And the other thing is, if we're getting down to brass tacks about who's in and who's out, this story alone tells us that it's not about whether you have a properly developed doctrine of the Trinity. It's not about whether you can articulate appropriately how the forgiveness of sins are taken care of. It's not about knowing the fancy words, provenient grace, uh, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. It has nothing to do with being able to uh, understand or profess a set of litmus tests. It comes down to, did you help somebody? Did you give of yourself to help somebody who didn't have? I think it's interesting that that all of eternity, that salvation, that heaven, that not going to the fiery place in this passage comes down to helping someone. Now, I've often said, uh, I I love the language from the uh, wedding liturgy, uh, that when the pastor blesses the rings, uh, the words that uh, are said between groom and uh, wife, uh, bride, are, um, with all that I am and all that I have, I give to you. And so oftentimes, uh, I've said regularly, right, we return a gift in the offering because all that we are and all that we have is a gift from God. And so we're called to live simply so that others might simply live. Called out of our place, called away from our path, called to serve others. Now you might say, really, preacher, you're going to make me sit still for three minutes when I could be helping someone. Right, right, right. It's important not to over-Martha this, right? Sure, we want to help people and uh, feed the hungry and um, uh, clothe the naked and care for the sick. But the most effective way that we can begin doing that is by first stopping and listening. 
by first stopping and hearing that still small voice of God, by stopping and hearing those whom we want to care for and about, I mean, this church has never done it, but I've heard of suburban churches who have done drive-by missions. That's where you only slow down to 20 and you push the water out in the inner city. Heaven forbid should we make relationship along the way. It's interesting to find out that they didn't need the water in the inner city church. What they did need was some help with VBS curriculum and backdrops so they could have a really good outreach to the children. If we don't over-Martha it, if we stop and listen to God, stop and listen to ourselves, stop and listen to those who have needs, we have an opportunity to serve them. I think one of the things that's important in priming ourselves to care for others or attuning ourselves to those who have needs is to take an opportunity and to be mindful. It's a, a practice that works really well for me. Like I said, I was ADD before ADD was cool, so mindfulness has been shown in social research and studies uh, to attune focus. And y'all know I could benefit from some more focus. Uh, Mindfulness is as simple as sitting still and being aware of your surroundings. For example, if you have ever driven on the highway long distance and you couldn't remember what the last 10 minutes were, bingo, you were (laughs) non-mindful. I would think, having seen the way some of you drive, that being mindful would be good. (laughs) Mindfulness also can lower your blood pressure. It can help you with chronic pain and, of course, increase focus. Now, mindfulness doesn't have to be sitting in a stark room looking holy. Mindfulness could look like, well, like yesterday. I carried my kayak down to Oyster Creek, and I floated about uh, two miles down, roughly, and then I paddled back. And while floating down, it was beautiful. I mean, it was quiet. I mean, you were like, you know, I think it's amazing. Oyster Creek is really cool because you float literally through the whole town, but no one really ever sees you. And along the way, I kind of played chase with this, I call it a herring. It's the birds with long wings, big beak, and long legs, right? And they go, right? Egret, thank you. I called him a herring, but he didn't tell me his proper name. Every time I would get close to where he had roosted, he would get up and fly just over the surf of the water, down, and then roost again. It's like he couldn't figure out that I was going that direction, and that his smartest idea would be to go behind me. Along the way, I saw a blue jay literally buried up kind of in the vegetation. He'd found some worm, I'm sure, and had worked at it for a while. I stopped for a little bit just to watch him go after lunch. I came to a part to where it was clear that they had um, sprayed chemicals for the vegetation. I'm sure it was a good purpose, but it was an interesting contrast between the green of one part of the creek and the stark brown of that part. I floated under a bridge. I headed past the college. I noticed things I would have never noticed. I noticed the wind at my back as I floated down. I noticed the wind in my face as I paddled back. Mindfulness. It's a way to prime yourself, to tune yourself, to begin sensing and feeling and noticing not just how many things you did on your list, but how you are experiencing life and maybe even noticing the needs of others. 
Two weeks ago, I spent a day at the district office. Whew, a district office uh, as part of the district committee on ministry, which is a fancy name to be that you're the, the, the kind of weed out folk for the board of ordained ministry. Uh, and so this day we were uh, re-examining people who had local pastor licenses. Now, local pastor license is a lot like uh, being emergency certified to teach, except we emergency certify you to be a pastor. Um, and every year you have to come in and tell us all the good things you did and why we should license you again. So 18 people in the course of nine to five, it was like 20 minute, 20 minute, 20 minute, 20 minute, run to the restroom, 20 minute, 20 minute, 20 minute, have lunch, right? You get the idea. Early in the morning, this one pastor from a very poor uh, part of Baytown, Hispanic pastor with a his Hispanic church came in to talk. He told the story about some of the good things that have been going on was that they started a shower ministry and there's a very sweet woman that was on the committee who was from the suburbs, and she says, oh really, do you do weddings and births? And he was very gracious. He says, no, he says, we have an upstairs uh, in the church uh, uh, education wing, and we put in showers, because we found that people didn't want to go to church. My folk didn't want to go to church because they didn't want to come and worship God when they smelled. And so we open up the church two hours before church actually starts and people come in who don't have access to water and they take a shower. He says, the other exciting thing that we've uh, done is uh, a laundry uh, service. Um, what we found is that uh, people who are um, uh, very poor, um, they, they don't have a washing machine and a dryer, um, and so they wash their clothes by hand um, and they hang them up to dry, and that's fine if it's in the summer, but if it's in the winter and it's cold and wet, when you hang your clothes up to dry, it, it, it takes days. It just doesn't get dry, and you hang them up inside with a fan, and it's still, the humidity inside the house or the apartment is too much, and the clothes just don't dry. And, and then kids don't want to go to school because they have moldy or dirty smelling clothes, and the men don't want to go to their shift work because their uniform isn't clean yet. She says, he says, so we found that there was only one dryer in the whole church, and it was at the parsonage. And so my wife has a laundry ministry. At about nine in the morning on weekdays, she opens up the door and she'll take anybody and she'll dry their load of laundry for them. And then together they'll fold them and the next person will come. A laundry ministry. Hey, here I am sitting in a whole day meeting, um, griping to myself that the Wi-Fi isn't as good as I wanted it to be at the district office. That I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, oh wow, have we had a chance to change over to that new church management database system? You know, when we can do stuff in the cloud, we'll be so much cooler. And here I am wondering and worrying about how to run an organization. And this man in front of me is ministering to people. Called out of our place, called off our path, called to serve others. Are you primed to see it? Are you attuned to people who have needs where you are? Who in your sphere of influence needs just an encouraging care? I, I love the uh, Teresa of Avila um, poem uh, that was used along with the L'Arche community. Uh, L'Arche community are um, communities of Christian, uh, Christians that live together, those who are able-bodied with those who are differently abled so that together they can uh, be the body of Christ, right? Because oftentimes the gift of the differently abled uh, is a gift that the abled don't have. And so in simple ways of caring for each other, um, the kingdom of God is created. 
Um, it was the inspiration of Teresa of Avila saying that God has no eyes to, to uh, see and to care compassion except yours. God has no hands or feet to care for others except yours that created the large communities. So there's an old preacher story. The old preacher story goes that inside uh, Nazi Germany, there was a convent, a bunch of nuns. Um, they were doing uh, uh, nun kind of things, right? They would work, they would worship, uh, they would live together. They had a beautiful statue in the middle of the courtyard um, that had Jesus with his hands outraised. In the midst of uh, the war, uh, the Americans, you know, of course, bombed uh, Nazi Germany, and one of the bombs fell near the statue, and the arms and hands and the feet of the statue had been blown off. As the um, American uh, army uh, kind of rolled through um, the convent, um, they, they liberated and then also said, is there anything that we can do to help? Um, we, we need to keep moving, but we can do something for you. What do you need? And, and the, the, the guy in charge of the uh, uh, company, he looked over and he says, like that statue, like we could order you another statue that has hands and has feet. We do that for you. And the woman in charge of the convent said, no. Over the last couple of years, since the arms and feet were blown off of the statue, we've come to recognize that it's a great reminder from Teresa of Avila that God has no hands nor feet except ours. And so it motivates us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm sure someone else can benefit from your health help. Thank you. Not everybody can live in a large community. Not everybody can find in their own backyard people who don't have uh, the ability to wash their own clothes, but I'm pretty sure that you, you could contribute to the food basket, to uh, Brazosport Cares, you could volunteer. I, I see faces here in the congregation today that I've learned about compassion and care because I've watched you care very carefully and intentionally for those who are food insecure, for those who don't have. You've built homes, you've provided meals, you've been called to serve others. I would say in the midst of Lent, as the silence calls to us, we are called from our place, called from our path, and called to serve others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can go about doing that. Um, some are uh, very plain before you uh, by uh, volunteering at the food basket or Brass's Port Cares. Some might be a little bit uh, new to you. Uh, in fact, uh, Sherry Efa will be in the uh, lobby uh, area. Um, uh, she has uh, gift cards that you can purchase. Uh, we're going to be using those gift cards uh, to send out care packages uh, to the college kids who are part of our church community. Uh, and so that'd be a great way for you to help and serve others. Also, in addition to that, um, if you're a first-time guest or if you're a guest at all, we'd love for you to let us know that you're here. You can do that by stopping by the guest table that's in the narthex. Um, I promise we won't stalk you or sell your email or phone number. We just want to know that you're here uh, and be able to greet you. Um, there's also an Easter egg hunt on the 19th of March. I uh, hope that you'll come and help us find the eggs and then eat the candy. 
And then UMR Me. Uh, if you're looking to serve others, this is a great way to help out. Um, it's a youth mission trip, but uh, we need adults to go along as well. Uh, if you have questions, Pastor Ellen would love to talk with you about them. I think those are all, let's see. And then uh, if today's the day that you'd like to join the church uh, or um, uh, profess uh, faith uh, in Jesus, we'd love for you to come down during our closing hymn, which is Come Rejoice in God. Um, and we'd love to plan that time for you to join the community. But for now, grab a hand next to you for our closing sung benediction. Mm -hmm.